You are listening to Blue Notes, your premier destination for news and analysis on financial services, the economy, technology, and thought leadership. Hi, I'm Jeff Wally, a journalist with ANZ Blue Notes. I'm joined by Mohammed Khalil, Head of Financial Wellbeing Research and Design with ANZ. Today, we'll be chatting about some of the groundbreaking research being done into financial wellbeing and how this work is impacting customers. Mo, can we start with an explanation of financial well-being and how it relates to banking? Sure. Um, so financial well-being is your ability to meet obligations and make choices that allow you to enjoy life today, tomorrow, uh, and in tough times. And financial health is a lot like physical health. When things are going well, you don't really think a lot about it. But when things aren't going well, it can take a lot of time and effort to uh, put yourself back on track. And so... One of the things that we can do in banking is to think about ways that we can help improve what behavioral scientists call your choice architecture. Uh, if you're someone who uh, you know, puts your running shoes by your bed in the morning, uh, who uh, makes sure that your fruit bowl is filled up rather than the you know, chips and chocolate, uh, or make other small decisions around your life that help you support the right positive habits, um, there are similar things that we can do from a banking perspective that can help consumers make better choices throughout their life. So to follow up on that point, Mo, clearly financial well-being is very important to the individual, but why is it also critical to an institution like a bank? One way I like to think of it is that a simplified view of banking is that it is analogous to pharmaceuticals. Uh, in that the pharmaceutical industry is highly regulated, right, has a tremendous role to play in society in helping people achieve better financial, uh, better physical health outcomes, um, but that its primary focus is on manufacturing, distribution, right, and marketing of their products and services. And I think that that's what banks are really good at, and it's really important to be able to produce these products at scale and democratize them and get them in front of people. The challenge is that, you know, when you walk into a branch, when you walk into a pharmacy and you start to pick up products off the shelves to help focus on solving the challenges that you have, the issue that you face as a consumer is that you are actually thinking about a particular outcome. You want to get rid of that cold or you want to improve your health in some way and get that supplement, that vitamin. And if you don't necessarily know how to bring those things together and you don't have an organization that's focused on the outcome then you're not really going to be that thrilled and excited about sort of that service. And so I think the reason that financial well-being is important for banks today is you have to decide whether you're going to be a really good pharmaceutical company and get highly efficient and productive at producing products or whether you're going to become a health company and really get effective at delivering outcomes. And so in that world, we need to start thinking about the role that we can play in improving financial well-being, not just being really good at delivering our products and services to our customers, but also then working with our customers to ensure that they are buying that home, paying off that debt, saving for their future in the way that they want. Can you tell us a bit about the research underpinning this and how it has evolved in the last couple of decades? So uh, there are really two sides to it. One is um, really getting an understanding of what financial well-being is, which we've, we've started to describe. Uh, and so there was a, a real attempt to create a common global definition. So over the past few years with work that I've done and others, uh, I think there's general consensus now around the world that the, you know, this idea that it's about meeting obligations and living life well today, tomorrow, and in tough times is really the definition of financial well-being. 
it's the one being used effectively by the UN uh, and other organizations. Um, Related to that was also then working on developing ways for us to measure financial well-being. So just as we have ways to measure your physical health, right, your blood pressure, heart rate, um, and a variety of other factors that are really good indicators of your overall state of health, uh, there was a lot of work put into developing uh, what are called uh, objective measures of financial well-being, so data-driven measures, looking at your spend to income, um, the volatility of your expenses and uh, uh, subjective measures, so survey-based measures of financial being. So that was one stream of work that has been evolving and continues to evolve, uh, and there's a lot more to be done in that space. The second was a shift in, uh, in how we thought about human financial decision-making. Um, so for most people, if you've taken any econ course, you know, you've been trained in the neoclassical economics view that you know, everybody's trying to maximize utility and everyone operates as a rational actor. Uh, and so if you think about the way that banking and financial services has been set up, it's designed for that, for those people. Um, you know, the fact that our T and T's and C's are so long, that our products are so complicated, presume you can make those trade-offs. Um, but what we're finding is that over the past 30 years, a new emerging field of behavioral science has shown that there are other things that need to be taken into account, that humans actually have biases, they have uh, challenges uh, in how they make uh, financial decisions, and that we need to take those into account. So our research brings those two sides, really understanding what financial well-being is and what drives it, as well as really understanding how we can change the way that consumers make decisions so that they can get better at it. Mo, can you give us some practical examples of how behavioral science is impacting this work? Yeah, absolutely. So in the ANZ Plus world, as we've looked at things like uh, goal savings and setting the right targets and helping people manage towards uh, towards achieving those goals, you know, we're taking advantage of things like the fresh start effect, which we recently spoke about, where we know that setting a goal at the beginning of the year makes it one and a half times more likely for you to achieve those goals. Uh, getting you to uh, break down that goal into smaller pieces and celebrating those accomplishments of achieving those milestones also then doubles even further your, your ability to likely succeed in achieving that goal. So it's bringing the scientific lens to our understanding of human behavior and practically applying it to the way that we design products, services, and experiences in a way that we know will increase the likelihood of success. I mean, there are no you know, panaceas or silver bullets, but there's certainly a lot that we can do to, to really improve the chances of our customers doing well. And how are these outcomes being measured and are these concepts starting to make a real impact with customers like how much is financial well-being being incorporated into things like product design so um our team uh works very closely with product digital and service uh, uh, uh functions across the organization to incorporate both this understanding of financial well-being and human financial decision making as well as some of the other best practices from things like human-centered design design research service design etc um and you know what we've started to do is really build on the phenomenal work that that anz plus has started that the marketing team uh, had started in terms of visibility of our ambition and aspiration toward financial well-being um and you know you'll see some of that work in things like the roundups experience that has been recently deployed on anz plus 
um, the um, goals experience uh, uh, in both classic and plus and, and a number of other things that we'll be deploying. I think the important thing to keep in mind is that um, financial well-being is, is not going to be just about sort of adding these standalone features and experiences across our, uh, our services. Financial well-being is actually going to be core to the value proposition, which means that in time, you will find that these elements actually start to come together. So that the things that we're doing on savings, on uh, transactions, on credit cards, on personal loans, on home loans, as we continue to build out all the right financial well-being elements, improve the choice architecture, improve the types of ways that we're helping customers, that those things will link together into what we're hoping will be a financial system uh, and the first of its kind, hopefully. Fast forward 20 years, how will we be discussing financial well-being and what are the main ingredients to get us where we need to be? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, as a wise person once said, you know, it's, uh, you know, the hardest thing to do is predict the future. So, uh, but, you know, I think if I were to try, what I would say is, is that, you know, in, in the next two decades, what you will see is that there will probably be at least two categories of financial firms, financial service providers and financial health providers. Financial service providers will be very good at the manufacturing, marketing, distribution, and servicing of products. Um, in a world where we have five-minute mortgages, it's not long before we'll have five-second mortgages, right? And so, you know, 20 years from now, the consumer's ability to uh, find the best rate in market, find um, the products that meet their needs is going to be a lot easier. You, you can't imagine in a world where... Things like Gen AI will have a, a bigger role to play. You'll probably be talking to your phone rather than interacting, you know, uh, with your thumbs. Um, and so, one category of banks will have to be really good at doing that—that that manufacturing, service, distribution, uh, and marketing—in uh, uh, a really low-cost, highly efficient way. Uh, I don't know if that's a winning strategy because you put yourself at the risk of disintermediation by fintechs and big techs. Where I think we want to play is the second category, which is a financial health provider. And a financial health provider is an organization that is not just focused on being able to do those things really well, but also on helping you achieve your outcomes. So, you know, putting products in people's hands is wonderful, but what, what people really want you to help them with is actually achieving the goal. And so the difference might be that an AI sort of conversation that you might have with a financial services provider might be around, find me the best rate or help me maximize my benefits. Um, but a conversation you might have with a financial health provider is, help me figure out all the things I need to do to pay off my mortgage before I retire, while also ensuring that I'm setting aside enough to retire comfortably. And that is a different problem to solve than just get me the best rate. Thanks for joining us today, Mo. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.